0: You're listening to the Bethel Community Church Podcast. Our podcast normally showcases our weekly sermons here in Chicago at 7601 West Foster. Now, podcasts are great, but they do not replace the care and community you receive from the local church or from your local pastor. So we encourage you to come join our community or contact us to help you find a community in your area. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you listen. Enjoy. Good morning. Thank you for coming to worship on this gray, rainy morning. But man, what a great place to be, right? And we get to learn about the Lord from His Word. Let's pray. Father, as we look at Your Word this morning, we ask the guidance of Your Holy Spirit, O God. Allow Your Word to penetrate our hearts and minds Change us, O God, to look like your Son, Jesus. Glorify your name, O God, at Bethel Church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven incredible I Am statements to help us understand who He is. That's why He makes those statements. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at each one of those statements in detail. This morning, we're just going to spend a few minutes on the I Am statements. Instead, this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Why there? Because these verses may be the most beautiful, awesome descriptions of the eternal Son of God ever written. It's a great foundation for the I Am series that's coming. I hope you won't miss one week. In a few things before we go to John 1, let me ask you, do you ever make I am statements? Of course you do. It's well known throughout Chicago when a Bethel man accomplishes something worthy, they're always heard to say, I am the man. (laughs) Right? Everybody knows that. Or if you could eavesdrop on a household of Bethel, you might hear, I am the glue that holds this operation together, right? You might hear that, maybe, maybe not. More realistically, you might hear I am her mother or I am the head of engineering at this workplace, right? You might hear that. So I am statements describe who somebody is, right? So, when Jesus makes his seven I am statements throughout the book of John, he wants us to know who he is. He's not hiding. God wants us to know who Jesus is. So, that's the foundation for the seven I am statements. Now, on the next slide that we'll see here, hopefully shortly, it's up here. Not sure why that screen's not working, but you can see it here. Starting at the one o'clock position, we see Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He is our spiritual food and without him we starve. Next, Jesus is the light of the world. All of us are naturally in pitch black darkness unless Jesus illuminates us. Look at the next two images. Jesus is the only gate that is true sheep can enter through and he alone is the good shepherd and in the next two pictures jesus alone is the one single way to be resurrected to eternal life in the father and finally jesus is the only true vine that gives spiritual life to us and we're the branches so all of these themes will be preached on over the next seven weeks These are some pretty awesome statements that Jesus makes, right? So the key question, is Jesus these seven things to you? In Luke 9.20, Jesus asks the most important question in life. But what about you? Who do you say I am? That is the infamous bottom-line acid test question. Who do you say Jesus is? And how you answer that question will determine where you spend eternity, in heaven or in hell. And you know, just a couple minutes on this, there are so many deep misconceptions of who Jesus is. You can see some of the images up here on this, on this slide. Some think Jesus is our chief social justice warrior. Some think it's his job to forgive all sin, even if we keep living like the devil. Some think he's the greatest human teacher ever. While others say he's one way to get to God along with Allah and Krishna and Buddha. Like all heresies, These views of Jesus start with some truth and then they quickly mislead. Salvation itself depends on us having a right view of Jesus. If we have a wrong view of Jesus, we're hell bound. So, fortunately, thank God, our Lord wants us in Scripture to know who Jesus is. So with that, Now we'll shift to John, follow along with me as I read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, and it'll be up here on the screen and on the monitors. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of the will of man, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke of when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of His fullness... Notice, John calls Jesus the Word in verse 1. How do we know this? Well, verse 14 in what we just read says, the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory. So he's talking about a person. And then in verses 2, 3, and 4, John starts calling the Word He and Him. So let's read verse 1 again, inserting Jesus instead of the Word. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. That opens it up a little bit. So, that is amazing. So John is teaching us here that Jesus is God, and that Jesus existed with the triune God from eternity past. And the Father and the Spirit is going, are going to be introduced later in John's Gospel. Why do you think John calls Jesus the Word? He could have called Him Son, could have called Him the Light here, but instead he calls Him the Word. Well, the Old Testament uses the term Word of the Lord frequently. Mainly, as God was communicating with His people, Israel, But it was also used when God was creating, when he was healing, when he was prophesying, and a lot more. So word of the Lord in the Old Testament already has a rich meaning to it, and it was always important. So when John calls Jesus the word, what he's saying is that Jesus is the best, the fullest, and final expression of God to the world. You want to know what God says, what God is? Here it is Jesus, the best final word. Hebrews 1, 2, and 3 says, In these last days, God has spoken to us in His Son. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. What a scripture! Next, verse 1-3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. This is John the Gospel writer's inner lawyer writing here, right? Where you say things twice just to make sure you're not missing anything. Let me make two comments on this verse. John 1-1 started with the words, In the beginning. Have you heard those words before in the Bible? in the beginning you got to go all the way back to genesis 1 1 right those are the first words in the bible and they say in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth john the gospel writer is using these words on purpose because jesus was there at the beginning creating with god so it made perfect sense to john to start it that way Jesus himself was never made or created. And when the beginning began, Jesus was already there. That's a cool line, isn't it? When the beginning began, Jesus was already there. There was never a time when Jesus didn't exist. At the burning bush in Exodus 3, God calls himself I am to show he is eternally existent. And that's why Jesus refers to Himself as I Am. You'll see Exodus 3, 13-14, Moses says to God at the bush, If they ask me, what is His name? What shall I say? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say, I am has sent you. You don't hear people talk like this. Thankfully, right? We can't say I am, like God says, I am. So then we see in John 8 58, Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. There is no mistake. Jesus is claiming deity, Jesus is claiming eternal, infinite creator, God in this. It's awesome. The Trinity creating everything, I'm going to state the obvious here, is in direct conflict with evolution. We could spend months on this. Evolution is the atheist's creation story. Granted, it takes faith to believe that Jesus, the triune God, created everything. In my humble opinion, I believe it takes way more faith to believe Everything came from nothing and everybody came from nobody. In my opinion. I pray you believe Jesus is the maker of all creation. All right, verses 4 and 5. Let me read that. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. First, God which is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they have life in themselves. Nobody gave it to them. It's hard to get your mind around that. Only they can give life. Only this God in this Scripture has this power. You might think, wait a minute, a man and a woman, they, they can make life. They can have a baby. Yeah, but you know what? If you read this book, you're going to find out it's God who creates that baby. It's God who knits that baby in the womb, and it's God who opens and closes every womb. So you got to go back to God with that. Before anything was created, galaxies, gravity, GameStop, people, amoebas, you name it, before anything was created, there was personhood in God and all life as we know it flowed from God and God arranged it so that all spiritual life flows from his son Jesus Christ second we see in these verses I just read that darkness is linked to death light is linked to life because of sin we're all born spiritually dead there's a lot of confusion on that. Many people think we're all born God's children. No. We don't look dead. I look at you. You don't look dead. I don't look dead, I hope. We eat. We sleep. We, we drink. We eat. We breathe, right? We talk. We don't look dead. But in God's eyes, we are spiritual zombies. We are born in sin and unless we come to Christ, only Jesus' light can penetrate our darkness. The next slide here, John three nineteen, For this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, and here's the indictment. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's us. That's us. This is why Jesus came into the world, to be the light for us. All right, next, I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 and verse 15, talking about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all may believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. In verse 15, John testified concerning him, meaning Jesus, he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So there's an abrupt change here, right? John, the author of this gospel, has been talking about Jesus, creator, infinite God. Now he's shifting gears and he's talking about John the baptizer. So don't Be confused here. So we got John the gospel writer who was the apostle and now he's speaking of John the baptizer. Two different Johns here. Crowds were coming to John to be baptized as people were turning away from their sins. That's what John was calling them to. Repent and turn away from your sins. John the Baptist is our model. You and me as we witness to others about Jesus, John got people's eyes off of himself and onto Christ. And that's what we need to do. We're called to be many John the Baptist, telling others how they need to turn from their sins and turn to Christ. If people don't hear the good news about Jesus, how can they believe? And if it isn't you and me telling them Who's going to tell them? This is on us. We are to be many John the Baptist. We really are. I challenge us. We, Lord, help us to witness to people. And it's an amazing line here that John says. He says Jesus has a higher rank than him because Jesus has existed before John, even though John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus. Pretty cool he saw that. You know why? This is because Jesus has an eternal birthday. (laughs) He never had a birthday. He always was. Pretty incredible stuff. Verse 1-9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Two comments on this verse. First, it's true that Jesus is somewhat dim in the Old Testament. He's there. Without a doubt, he's there. He's harder to see. But in the New Testament, he is a brilliant light. You can't miss him. It's all about him. The whole Bible is all about him. But in God's providence, he was a little harder to see in the Old Testament. Second, the law of Moses was for Israel, but Jesus' light is for absolutely everyone. Think of the verse. What verse do you see when you watch a sporting event on TV? John 3, 16, right? And what does it say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever, whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever. What a God we have. Verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. These are sad verses here, right? These are sad. Jesus created everyone, but the people in the world didn't receive him. And worse, his fellow Jews, whom God had treated so special, they also rejected Jesus. Jesus wept over the nation of Israel just longing for them to come to him. He wanted that so bad. Many did come to him, but many more didn't come to him. Maybe you have been a mentor to someone, a teacher, maybe a parent who's just invested your life in someone, and they reject you or they forget about you. If you've experienced that, even in some measure, then in a tiny way, you can understand Jesus' heart here in this verse. Verses 12 and 13. Yet, don't you love the word yet? Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of the will of man, but born of God. What a life-giving yet or some some of your translations start with but. So what does it mean to receive Jesus? Well, it means you believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sins for which you deserve eternal separation from God in hell. It means believing He is the only way, the exclusive way to the Father, and that His payment was sufficient because He rose from the dead. And it means trusting and depending on Jesus alone to save you and that you would bow the knee to Him as the Lord of your life. So how about it? Have you received Jesus in this way? If you haven't, I can guarantee you this. It is the single best decision you will ever make in your life. If you haven't made that decision, if you feel any urging, anything inside that, that's drawing you a little bit, I would love to talk with you after service. Just come up and let's just talk. I would love that. And notice in verse 13, Jesus says, uh, John says, this doesn't occur, this life doesn't occur at natural birth. It doesn't occur through any human or church ritual. This is God's work. Only God does this regeneration, this second birth. Incredible. The truth we're learning here from John is really mind-blowing. All right, verse 114. Maybe of all these, they're all my favorites. This may be my favorite among favorites. (laughs) The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. We're going to camp here for just a couple of minutes. i got four things I want to talk about here that you see in this verse. Jesus becoming flesh, Him dwelling among us, His glory, and Him being full of grace and truth. So I want to talk about those four things. So the first, the word became flesh. It's Christmas, right? I, I don't want Christmas right now, right? I want warm weather. I wanna, you know, I want swimsuits and stuff like that. But so let's not get focused on Christmas. But the in this is called the incarnation. God taking on flesh is the incarnation. And imagine it, the infinite second person of the Trinity becomes a finite human being. Eternal God, born in a mother's womb, lives for 33 years among us to rescue us. Jesus existed from eternity past with the Father and the Holy Spirit completely fulfilled, living in glory, not needing anything. But because of the overflow of God's love and His glory, God creates humankind knowing in advance that our sin would separate us from him. And it was always God's plan from eternity for Jesus to come, to die on the cross, be resurrected, and to reconcile us to God. Before God hit that go button, he knew all this, and he hit it anyway. What a God. This is incredible. To do this, Jesus had to become 100% man while remaining 100% God. He's not a 50-50 mix. He's not just 100% God. He's not just 100% man. He's 100% God and 100% man. He's both. I'm a CPA. I'm not bad with numbers, but these numbers blow me away. 100 plus 100 equals 200%. Man, this is infinite God we're talking about. This is holy ground math. We take our shoes off for this arithmetic, right? Praise be to God for doing this. Nothing's impossible with God. The verse also says this, Jesus dwelt among us, right? The word dwelled has the same meaning as tabernacled or tented. He tented among us. God has pitched his tent next to our tent. Think about that. John uses this word intentionally. Why? Because Jesus lived with the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And the scriptures say that God tabernacled. He tented with with his people. And then Jesus becomes Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a God. (laughs) This is unreal, isn't it? That this God would do this. Verse 14 also says, we beheld His glory. You see all that's packed into this verse? Man. So what glory in Jesus did John see here? We could spend hours on this. Let me just give you four glories here. One, sometimes God shows His glory in intense, brilliant light. I don't know if we're having slide difficulties, but there were some, some slides here. In Exodus 33, Moses asks God, and you got to admit, this takes some chutzpah, right? God, show me your glory, would you? This would be in the category of, you know not what you ask, right? <laughs> so, what does God do? He puts him in a rock, kind of in a cave, covers him walks by so that Moses, as it were, kind of sees the end of his shadow and that almost undoes Moses. (laughs) Amazing. So Jesus' transfiguration is another example of this glory of God's brilliant light. So that's one glory. What's the second glory? Well, well, It's his attributes. It is who God is. So in Exodus 34, right after this this incident, God says this of himself, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty God is glorious in all of these attributes of His and who He is. Third, A third part of God's glory are all of His miracles. After Jesus turned water to wine, John 2.11 says this, This beginning of His signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory. But the greatest glory of God is the cross. The glory of the cross was God's goal, his aim in all creation before the world began. As Ephesians 1.6 says, and this is how we, will, those who are his kids, will spend eternity to the praise of the glory of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Etern- an eternity won't be long enough once we really understand who God is and what He's done for us as sinners. This is unreal. This is mind-blowing. Finally, verse 14 says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Again, not a 50-50 mix. Jesus wasn't 100% grace Monday truth on Tuesday, full of grace and truth every day, all the time. Pretty rare to find a human being who excels at both of these. Most of us tend to lean one way or the other, right? Grace is a beautiful thing, but it goes too far when we compromise truth to get people to like us. Truth-telling is a beautiful thing, but it goes too far when we put footprints on people's back and trample them. Both. Jesus was both. He welcomed sinners. He wept for hard-hearted people who wouldn't come to Him. And He was full of good works. Grace. He was just full of grace. But He also told sinners to repent. He condemned false doctrine intensely, And he said, if he wasn't first in our lives, we simply aren't worthy of him. Both. Jesus is both. I wonder which way you lean. I wonder if you know which way you lean. If you ask a grace teller, they might say, well, you're graceful. Ask a truth teller. (laughs) Ask a truth teller which way you lean. Are you maybe tilting more towards grace or tilting more towards truth? And then you pray and say, Lord, make me like your son. A hundred percent both. Grace and truth. Verses 16 and 17. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the law comes through Moses. God intended it that way. And the law is good because God gave it. It teaches us how to live properly, right? But it only reveals our sin. It can't save us because we can't keep the law. So it exposes, and it's good in that way. But Jesus kept the law perfectly his whole life. He's the only one who ever walked this earth who never sinned. And the perfection of his life is credited to us when we receive him in faith. Now that's grace. Finally, verse 18 here, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. If anyone wonders, what's God like? You need look no further than Jesus Christ. No further than that. As we near the end of this message, I want to introduce you to a guy and you'll see up here on the screen, here's a picture. His name's Mark Ruda. He's biseling to work here. Humbly, this guy goes to work like this every day. Pretty cool. Next slide. Here he is mopping up coffee that he spilled in the building he works, and you can see he's got a lady next to him schooling him. Hey, hey you missed a spot there, buddy. But the guy's humble enough to mop up after himself. And the next slide... He's not afraid to confront. He's got a detractor here, and he is standing up for truth. And in the last slide here, second to last slide, he's in front of a class that he teaches once a week at a university, pretty big class. There's the regular teacher there. He comes in once a week. And one student asked another on the first day of class that he showed up, who is this guy? He said, oh, him? That's Mark Ruda. He's the president of your country. Country is the Netherlands. Mark Ruda is the prime minister of 20 million people almost in the Netherlands. He's been prime minister since 2006. And it's incredible because how beautiful is it that the most powerful man in the Netherlands, who has Christian roots, is a humble, graceful truth teller who pitches his tent with his people. Do you see that? He pitches his tent and lives among his people. So to conclude, let me tell you about one more man that pitched his tent with his people. How many of you have been around a campfire at night? Raise your hand. Just about everybody. You know those, I love campfires. You know those magical moments when, you know, after you've been around the fire and conversation is slowing down a little bit some magic happens. You know, you're, you're just really mellow and you're just so glad who you're with. Here's what I've thought a bunch of times sitting around a campfire. I, I imagine I'm the 13th disciple and I'm there with Jesus and His 12 disciples. So I hope you don't think that's too weird. But you know, so there I am. I'm, I'm sitting on my log and I'm looking across the fire and I see Jesus. I've been with Him. for over two years, I've witnessed thousands of miracles that he's done, but he has said some astounding things. You know what he said? He said, I have no beginning. I've always existed. He said, he's the only way to reach heaven. And get this, he told us, he's made everything that's ever been created. Heck, he made the log I'm sitting on. He made the dirt my feet are on he made the air i'm breathing he made this fire and he made me wow that's incredible and there he is right across from me and i look at him and i see inviting eyes he almost is smiling at me and i get this feeling he knows what i'm thinking right now how can this be god almighty king of the universe the creator of all life the great i am sitting on a log across from me sleeping in the same tent as me what a god let's pray let's pray oh, oh father your word the very words of life that you have given us, Lord, have been preached this morning. Even now, I pray that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been glorified. What a God you are. Lord, you could have been distant, you could have been cold, you could have been uncaring, crushing, but instead you turn out to be Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, Lord, what a God you are. And we... Your enemies, enemies, were the ones who spit on you, were the ones who slapped you, were the ones who crucified you, Lord Jesus. You knew that and you came. That is the kind of God you are. That is a love infinite. This is a God worth giving your life to. This is a God worth worshiping with all we got. I pray that for everyone here, Lord that anyone who doesn't know you, that you would tug on them, Holy Spirit, and that they would decide today, they wouldn't live one more minute saying, I'm without you, Lord Jesus, but I want that to change right now. So we pray that in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.